Morning, church. A little more awake now. Yay. Good. Good. All right. How many of you bring a Bible to church? How many of you know what a Bible is? Uh, okay. Okay. If you brought a Bible, would you just hold it up? I didn't say what kind it had to be, but... Uh, okay, yeah, your phone would count if you're using that. Good. Okay. Good. How many of you rely totally on the screens when I teach and don't follow along or you just kind of watch the verse up? No, be honest. I'm just... Okay. Screens. Okay. Good. Just interesting. Just thinking. Thinking out loud. Well, here we are, the second week of March. And uh, why does it feel like January? Yeah. 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 It's amazing, isn't it? It's a winter wonderland. Good. For you winter folks, uh, enjoy, all right? Uh, but I'm over it. Okay. All right. But remember back in January, when it was still cold and snowy, we started the new year with a short series called Practicing His Presence. Practicing His Presence. And as Pastor Michael said, we want to kind of continue that. And we asked the same question that Frank Laubach, a missionary in the Philippines in the 30s, asked and then spent his whole life trying to discover the answer. Here is what he was searching for. Is it possible to remain aware of God's presence every waking moment? Can we attain that? And so we wrestled with that for a few weeks in January. Is it possible to remain in God's presence all day long? And I talked to many believers say, you know, when I'm at work, I hardly ever think of God. When I'm at school, I hardly ever think of God. It's just kind of the way it goes. And, and so this the question slams right into that. Is it possible to remain in God's presence continually? And so we wrestle with that. In order to get our heads around that concept and that question, we first discovered there are two words for time in Greek. And if you don't have sermon notes, you can uh, slip up your hand and our ushers will get you a set of sermon notes so you can follow along. How many of you use sermon notes, by the way? Wow, good, okay. Aaron, nice, huh? All right, so uh, who remembers what the two Greek words that's translated the word time in English in our Bible? One word, time in English, but two Greek words. What are the two Greek words? Yes, very good. Chronos and Kairos. Chronos is where we get our word chronological or chronically as an adjective, if you were, right? Uh, that's where that word comes from. It refers to a linear time, like the ticking of a clock. Now, uh, how many of you uh, rolled your clocks ahead last night? Okay, how many of you waited till this morning? Good. Interesting. All right. But we're so time-bound, aren't we? We are captivated by time. And that's the word chronos. It has to do with linear time. There's a beginning and an end and all kinds of deadlines in between that. Our life begins and our life ends. That is the story of our life. It's a timeline. It's linear time. Chronos sounds like this is really taking a long time. Where When you choose the wrong checkout lane at Walmart, it seems like an eternity. You only had three items. What's the problem here? right? Or... What time are we going to eat when you're really hungry? All right? Time moves so slowly then, right? <laughs> so that's what chronos time is like. Kairos, on the other hand, refers to this critical moment or opportunity. 
Very, very different. And we can't understand that or grasp that because we only have one English word that's translated time in the New Testament. And so uh, Kairos, very different. Kairos breaks into Kronos time. So if Kronos is the timeline, right, then Kairos comes breaking into Kronos time. The linear time then is interrupted by the Kairos time. Okay? I want to make sure we understand that from the last time. Kairos sounds like it's crunch time or it's go time or this is the time. Now, right in this moment. Now, spiritually, Kairos moments are often disruptive. They are meaningful and they are often transformational. Uh, So when these Kairos moments come slamming into Kronos time, uh, you can be assured something's stirring here. It's not life as usual. Not the normal daily routine. Something happens to disrupt that. And these are kairos moments. A kairos moment spiritually then is a God moment when God comes crashing into our lives. When the supernatural begins to interrupt the natural flow of linear or chronos time. God with the supernatural is now superimposing and stepping into time because God is timeless and he always does that with real purpose and intent it's never accidental so our days are filled with these kairos moments and so let's look at one in scripture I remind us from uh, this January Mark 1 15 here's the word kairos the time kairos has come Jesus said the kingdom of God has come near repent and believe the good news so into everyday life of Jewish believers here comes the kingdom of God it's coming it's crashing into reality and Jesus calls it the kairos time the time has come this is a God moment this is a critical opportunity this is it this can change your life if we grasp the kairos moment and step out of our chronos. Well, i got to get here, i got to do that. So, Kairos is breaking into chronos all the time. And if we look at those two words in the New Testament, it's fascinating. In fact, I was just uh, uh, preparing next week's sermon. I was working on it yesterday. And uh, the passage that I used, it was Kairos. And I'm thinking, I get a passage of Scripture for the first time. Now it makes sense. And you know where it was? When Paul says, pray, continue to pray on all occasions. It's Kairos. It's not Kronos. He's like, oh boy, wait till next week. I was really excited about that. So we use the phrase Kairos moments to identify where God is at work and what he's doing. If God is breaking in, he wants to make himself known to us. I'm speaking to you, anybody listening, here's what I'm doing, and I'm inviting you to be a part of it. Come on, it's an invitation, right? So Kairos moments are an invitation, an opportunity to connect with God right here in the present, in the everyday, yes, at work, at school, whatever we're doing, taking a shower, wherever it is, God is speaking to us. He is speaking to us. Kairos is concerned with significance, with significance. It it is... uh, a term that's rich in meaning. Yeah, the clock is ticking. Yes, our days are numbered. Yes, all of that is true. I, I get all that. But the Kairos is concerned with significance. What's really important about life is connecting with God. Am I making sense? Good. Okay. What is God doing? What is God saying? Can we know this 
on a continual basis. Now, we probably catch some of the Kairos moments that are happening in our life. They're unavoidable, right? Uh, and as we thought about those last time, uh, we, we begin to identify some, some of these Kairos moments, uh, but many of us are only aware of a small fraction of them, and even if we are aware of them, we don't know what to do with them. It's like, okay, something's happening here. I'm not quite sure what it is. Maybe it was a pizza I had last night, but I don't know what it is, but something's weird here, right? Something's going on, but we can't quite figure it out. Kairos moments are happening when a song lyric or a scene in a movie or even a commercial just kind of, bam, out of nowhere, right? Have you ever been listening to a song and it just transports you right back to that moment? Man, it's like you're living right there again. It's a Kairos moment. Time is suspended, and now we're right there. Okay, but what's the significance of that thing? How about a passage of Scripture speaks to us or jumps right off the page like, what? Light bulb goes on. Woohoo! Yes! It's not the ordinary stuff. It's not me doing my devotions, right? God is speaking to me right here. It's his voice. I can hear it. It's coming through the pages. God, speak to me, right? Or a conversation where we have this aha moment or an uh-oh moment. Like, mm-hmm, okay, yeah, we get the whoa. Or when we fight with our spouse and we realize we've blown it, and you get that Kairos moment like, oh, boy. Yeah, God, you're speaking to me. I get it. I get it. Or a moment in prayer when you can actually hear God speaking. Have you had those moments when you connect with God in prayer? And it's just like he's right there. And it's true because he is. But you, you just, wow, this is different. God, it's like you're right here, right in the room. Right now, you're right next to me. I can sense it. I can feel it. God, you're with me. Powerful, powerful stuff. Or a new realization about ourself. It just kind of, boom. Oh, that's where I connect the dots of who I am and who God is and what he's doing in my life. Suddenly, it begins to make a little bit of sense. Or we're just doing something like shoveling snow, and you, you see a snowflake come down. You say, wow, that's spectacular. It is beautiful. It is beautiful. You look at the snow clinging to everything, and it's, it's, it is a wonder wonderland. It is beautiful. And God did that, and he gave it to us as a gift. And suddenly we realize, or oh, there's that sunrise or sunset when the whole horizon is orange, and you say, oh, my goodness, this is awesome. God, you're there. I know you're there. And he comes breaking in with his Kairos stuff. It's happening again and again and again. A Kairos moment can be positive or it can be negative. It's not always like, woo. No, it can be like, whoa, because uh, God's speaking to us. And wanting us to grow. It can happen in a crowd. It can happen alone. It can be public. It can be private. It can be something large. It can be something very small and insignificant. Yet it is incredibly transformational. Because God is in that moment. It's not just the big stuff. It's in the little stuff that we need to pay attention. Because that's often where God is. In those small little details. Here's something I'm learning. We grow spiritually and consistently as we process one Kairos moment at a time. And this is what Frank Laubach discovered. If he processed one Kairos moment at a time, and they're constantly happening, he was able to stay consistently in God's presence throughout the day. 
one kairos moment to the next kairos moment. Each one of them transformational. Each one of them building as God works out his plan in our life. And by attending to these kairos moments, whether they're good or bad, we can't avoid the bad ones because God often uses those. That's why we count it all joy whenever we face trials of many kinds. Knowing that testing our faith leads to perseverance and perseverance to maturity. And that's God's goal is to grow us up. If we attend to one at a time, practicing his presence becomes more intentional. It becomes more natural. And we're not waiting for God on Sunday morning. We're not waiting for God when we open our Bible. We're waiting for God throughout the day in all that we're doing. I hope this is making sense. Now, I've discovered that processing Kairos moments is best done in community. That's why I'm convinced every one of us should be in a home group. We, in our home group, process Kairos moments together, and it's powerful because there's accountability there, and it's good to have others leaning into this Kairos moment, not fixing each other, but sharing, here's how God is working in my life. We're made for relationship, and our faith is made to be lived out together. And it's important that we do that and process Kairos moments, not just with our spouse or with our family, but with other believers. It helps grow us up, and I believe that's a core to discipleship. So, here's what I'm discovering about Kairos moments. God is speaking. I know you know that. He's speaking constantly. He's speaking continually. Here's what Job said. God speaks again and again through, though people do not recognize it. He speaks in dreams and visions. When deep sleep falls on people, he whispers in their ears. Have you heard God whispering in your ear? How many of you have experienced God in a dream? Most. Interesting. Yeah, he does. He, right, Hebrew says, long ago God spoke many times in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets, and now in these final days he has spoken to us through his Son. This is God's pipeline. This is God's mouthpiece. It is Jesus. It is the Word of God. Everything must be confirmed by the Word of God. He's speaking through Jesus. And here's what Jesus said. My sheep listen. That's present tense verb, by the way. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. They're hearing my voice. They know when I speak. So, God is speaking. Question becomes, are we listening? Here's what the psalmist said. I listen carefully to what the Lord is saying, for he speaks peace to his faithful people. Now, I don't know what kind of spiritual voices you've been hearing, but oftentimes God is speaking peace to his faithful people. I'm going to come back to this in just a second, because sometimes we think it's God, but it's not really God, because it's certainly not peace that we're hearing. It's something confusing, and that's not God. So, Jeremiah records, God, this one troubles me. This is God speaking. Who will listen when I speak? Their ears are closed, and they cannot hear. They scorn the word of the Lord. These are God's people. They don't want to listen at all. I like to listen to God when it's convenient. When I hear what I want to hear, right? I love to hear your God. Until he starts saying some things that I don't want to hear. Hmm. So God is speaking. Often we are speaking back to God. That's what prayer is. Hmm. Welcome to our new series called Practicing His Presence in Prayer. So a couple of points I want to get started with this morning. All right? Prayer. Why are people so drawn to prayer? People 
pray. Now, according to Newsweek survey, 78% of Americans say they pray at least weekly. W-E-E-K, right? They pray weekly. Of those who believe in God, 70% pray daily. Whoa! And even those who don't believe in God, pray 10% pray every day. Love it when atheists pray every day, right? It's like, who are you praying to? Or, yeah, I don't believe in God, but I'm praying because there's something about prayer, right? Even unbelievers get that. So what's up with prayer? Some seem prayer uh, through different lenses. Some say that, you know, what, prayer is, is really easy to understand. It's simply lining up with God, what God has already decided to do. God's sovereign. It's already done. So I'm just praying so I can line up with what God has already decided to do. Those on this side, however, say something a little bit different. And, and they're saying something like this. Prayer is asking God to do what he otherwise wouldn't do unless I ask him. And I have not because I ask not. Right? So is it lining up with what God has already decided to do? Or is it actually moving the hand of God and he's not going to move until we ask him to move? Which one is it? That wasn't rhetorical. You can answer. Which one is it? Both. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, that's correct. It is, in fact, both. Scripture supports both and holds them in tension like two tines of a tuning fork. Now, those of you that are not like Derek B. Kaisen and Van kind of dude, right? What's a tuning fork, right? Derek, you have to sound both tines of a tuning fork in order to get the correct sound. Is that right? What happens when you only sound one? You don't get the right sound. That's correct. It's pretty easy, isn't it? But my muddled mind can't figure out how Alexa works on our new Echo. It's like, what? What did you say? I asked this. That's not what I asked you, Alexa. What? Some seem prayer like that. Like, what? I didn't ask you to play that song. Where is this coming from? Right? And we see God kind of like that. Like, this is really confusing. Right? So I'm working. I'm trying to get Alexa figured out. I like Siri much better, but Alexa's okay. I'm getting to know her, right? God simply wants us to obey his principles of prayer. Why? Why is he so adamant about us obeying our, his principles? When we do, we can intentionally and continually walk and stay in his presence. And that's what he wants. He wants us to stay in his presence. He's like, okay, here's the game plan. Here's how you do it. He wants a relationship, a love relationship with us. So a couple more blanks for you. As we'll go a little bit closer. Prayer is communication with God. Very simply. Prayer is communication with God. Right? And it takes on all kinds of different hues and colors. It connects us to our Father in Heaven. Communication is key to a growing and healthy relationship. Counselor Beige, can I get an amen? All right, let me say that again. Communication is key to growing a healthy relationship. Now, how do you think Cindy would feel if the only time I ever talked to her is when we were in a crisis? Help me! I need help! Help! Help. Right? Sometimes that's what we do with God. The only time we talk to Him is when things aren't going so well, or we need something, or we want something. But prayer is continual communication with God. Prayer is sacred and sweet dialogue between two persons in love. I love that thought. I really do. 
prayer is sacred and sweet dialogue between two persons in love. And that's why Jesus came. Right, Mary? Help me with this. For God so loved the world, He wants a love relationship with us. And He wants to communicate with us. It's sacred and sweet dialogue between two people in love. Uh, Yeah. Prayer releases the power and authority of God. Releases the power and authority of God. I've never spoken directly to spiritual warfare, but I'm going to the next couple of weeks. I think this congregation is ready for it. Uh, I think it's time to have that discussion about spiritual warfare. I want to clean up some misconceptions about what it is and what's a prayer warrior and all this Christianese lingo we got attached to prayer. Uh, I want to kind of pull that apart and say, hmm, what does this mean? What does this mean to release the power and authority of God? Hmm. I'm looking forward to it. Prayer produces incredible kairos moments. Incredible kairos moments. As we regularly process kairos prayer moments, we can better understand Paul's command in 1 Thess 5.17. Pray without ceasing, pray continually, never stop praying. More on that later. All right? So, I just want to say, hey, welcome to practicing his presence in prayer. Welcome. I'm excited about this. Here's where we're headed. But wait, before I let you know where we're headed, let me tell you where we're not going. Make sense? Let me tell you where we're not going. Now, within the realm of evangelical Christianity in America... There is an incredibly powerful tool used to control behavior, move masses, and enforce external conformity. Anyone care to guess what tool that is? Go ahead. What tool is used in the church to control behavior, enforce external conformity, and move masses? Condemnation. I'm using the word guilt. It makes me sick to my stomach. It's a tool that when properly used can lay a heavy burden on Jesus' followers to bring about someone's required religious compliance to a set of rules and regulations. It's deadly. It's absolutely deadly. Jesus did not ever use guilt. To motivate people, to move masses, to enforce external religious behavior. Never, never, never. This thing is so deadly. How do I know? How do I know it's deadly? Because I've been the recipient of it over years of ministry. People trying to guilt me into changing behavior, change what I believe, or do anything. They use guilt as a motivator. How many of you have experienced people using guilt in your life? Guilt and shame and condemnation. Absolutely. How do I know it? How do I know how deadly it is? Because I've used it. I've used it. I've used it in my marriage. I've used it with my kids. I've used it with congregations. And I have to come before the Lord and ask for forgiveness. It's deadly. And it's wrong. 
And it does have no place in the church. And if you are here today, and you have ever sensed that I have used guilt to motivate you to change, I'd like to talk to you about that, because I want to look you in the eye and ask for your forgiveness. I'm not about using those kinds of tools, but in the flesh, any of us are capable. Correct? And it breaks my heart when people use guilt on me or I've used guilt on others. Jesus came to set us free from guilt and shame. There is therefore now no condemnation, no guilt for those who are in Christ Jesus. Oh God, forgive me. So when the church uses this to move masses of people, you know what the outcome of this is? It's bondage, it's boredom, it's performance. Everything I'm doing is not coming from my heart, but it's religious conformity motivated by guilt that has me doing what I'm doing. That's why I get up and do my devotions, because I feel guilty when I don't, because I'm supposed to do this, right? We're missing the entire point of what Jesus came to do. Oh, boy, I'll start preaching in a moment, so I've got to stick with this, right? You see... This is shadow truth. I believe that kills the spirit of a person and kills the spirit of an entire church when guilt is used to motivate. It's filled with oughts and should'ves, and by God's grace, there will be none of that here. None of that here. We're closing that door, so let's get it out of the way right up front in this series. How many of us are convinced we ought to pray more? We should pray more. That's all I hear. I should be praying more. I should pray more. I should pray. I ought to pray more. I ought to pray more. You know what the source of that is? Guilt. We should have. We ought to. I'm saying quit praying. Unless the motivation is a love relationship with Jesus and reciprocate the love that he has shown us at the cross, why do it? Out of some kind of religious obligation? Forget it. Yeah. Check it off. You're done. That's right, Michelle. Just get it over with. I'm supposed to pray. Oh, I should pray more. I should read my Bible more. What kind of nonsense is this? This isn't from the Holy Spirit. This is from religious conformity. Yes, we should be in God's presence continually. Good habits. Get up. Do my devotions. I do it every day. Yeah, I do that. But what is the motivation for doing this? Why are you in church today? Because it's the right thing to do? Because you want to be here. You're in a love relationship with God and His people. And so we want to be here. This is where God's people are. Not that I should, or ought to, or it's the right thing to do. Wow, it's time for a heart check here. Time for a heart check. Why are we doing what we're doing? Thanks for being honest. It's my desire before God to not use any guilt to get us to pray more. No, no, no. In fact, let's pray about that right now, shall we? I think we ought to pray about that right now. Okay? John Niedemeyer, why don't you stand? And you pray, and you ask God to remove any traces of guilt or shame that are here because Jesus came as the truth, and the truth sets us free. Doesn't put us back in bondage, doesn't make us guilty and shame-filled, like I should be doing, I ought to be doing more. No, God. 
Come on. It's a love relationship. John, would you pray and ask God on behalf of this congregation just to free us? Thank you. Amen. Amen. Thank you, John. And that is the truth. <laughs> we want to be free. We want to be free. Good. So, rather than guilt, there will be a challenge to call us up to a place of such love for God that we want to pray. We want to pray. We want to pray. We want to discover God's presence in prayer. And I agree with what John said. If you're thinking you're having a Kairos moment and it's filled with guilt, that's not coming from God. That's coming from someplace else. Understand, Kairos can be positive or negative, good or bad. We want to hear the voice of God in those Kairos moments, not the other voices. Talk more about that in spiritual warfare. Okay? So, how do we do this? How do we form form good habits and, and practice God's presence. Uh, the first one is this prayer journal. Okay? Uh, they were introduced to you last week. If you didn't get one, please get one on the way out. Uh, there's five lessons per week over the next three weeks. Uh, we'll be doing this series for four weeks, more additional weeks. So please pick one up. I think it's good when we do it together as a church body and uh, talk about it as a family. There's a kids section each day too if you have children, grandchildren, right? Uh, but it Gets us all reading off the same page, okay? These are available on your way out, okay? How many of you got one last week? Good. Rest of you, get one because it starts tomorrow, okay? And also, on Wednesdays, we're asking you uh, to uh, consider fasting. Now, that might mean food, it might mean media, it might mean whatever, but taking the extra time to spend with the Lord in prayer, okay? So just consider that. Every Wednesday, you're going to see that in the journal, what can I set aside just for an extended period of time so I can stay in God's presence more intentionally? Right? All good habits uh, to get into. We're going to talk about answered prayer because I believe the greatest motivation to pray is when we hear answers to prayer. I don't know about you, but when God answers a prayer, I'm like, okay, what's next? Let's do this, God. Yeah, he's moving. He's moving, right? Yeah, yeah. No should-ofs, no ought-tos. But answered prayer. We're all in different places when it comes to prayer. And the goal of this series is to get us each to take a step up. Wherever we are. Maybe you say, well, I'm just starting to pray. And get a little more comfortable with prayer. 
Others of you have been around a while and you're saying, "Eh, yeah, I need to take this next step up. Uh, Let me ask you this. Uh, How many of you feel really awkward when you have to pray in public? Would you raise your hand? Okay, good. Kaylee, you're one of them. You want to stand and we'll pray? No, (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Yeah, some of us are just really freaked out. And I love that when at the end of a service I wanted to call on someone. Uh, because I, I know I'm not targeting you. Well, I guess I am. Uh, but the, the point being, uh, I don't want to embarrass anyone. Some of us are very uncomfortable with that. I get that. Maybe that should be your goal, just to be a little more comfortable praying in public. It should be as natural as breathing for us if we're talking about someone we're in love with, right? Yeah, something about something about. We want to practice joyful prayer in our hearts, our homes, I hope your home group, work, school, Sunday service, everywhere in between, we want to meet God in his Kairos moments. God, what are you saying? What are you doing? How can I love on you and know that you're loving on me? Yeah. I'd ask that, uh, so what we're going to do is actually pray. In these coming services, we're actually going to spend some time in prayer in the service. That'd be okay? I think it's good. Uh, Sometimes I just, uh, over the the decades of being in ministry, I do too much teaching about prayer, not enough just praying, right? There's a point where you just got to pray. And don't worry about the rest. Just pray, right? And then uh, sign up for the prayer list. Uh, over the years, we've had a uh, list that goes out to people. So if you, for example, take that blue Connect card and put a prayer request on that, that goes to a praying group of people who are committed to prayer. Uh, we're going to purge that list and start over. Okay? It's just time. I like to do house cleaning from time to time. And so if you want to be on the list of recipients of prayer requests, that means a couple of things. Number one, you're actually going to pray. Right? Don't sign up to get prayer requests and then don't pray. That's weird. Okay? And we're all guilty of that? No, we're not guilty. Oh, yes, we are. Uh, The point being, oh, yeah, I'll pray for you about that. I forgot to pray until you see him next Sunday. He's like, ooh, I forgot to pray. Mm, right? So, yeah. So if you want to be a praying part of the church, I don't care what your age is. Uh, hey, if you love to connect with God and pray for other people, please sign up on the way out. Okay? That's where that prayer list is located. So if you're on that list and you stop getting the weekly emails from Aaron, uh, you got to sign up on a list. Right? We're dumping the list, starting over. Okay? So sign up if you want to be on that weekly prayer list to receive those requests. And as I mentioned, next week we're going to talk about warfare praying. Spiritual warfare praying. How is that different? What does it look like? What does it sound like? Sounds weird. How many of you believe that there's a spiritual realm beyond that which we can see and taste and touch right now? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. All right. I think I'm pretty much done for today. <laughs> Yahoo! Yes. Finally, it's about time. I gotta go shovel. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Good. Uh, any questions? What we talked about?